0: Hello, you are listening to Just Films and That. This is the podcast where we talk about films that are underrated or underseen. I'm the host for this week, Josh Hallam, and I'm joined as ever by my wonderful co-host Alice Oliver, whose turn it was to pick the film this week. So what did she pick? Well, she picked Fantastic Four from 2005. So let's see what we think. So we'll start talking about Fantastic Four in a minute, and I'm very excited for that, but I just want to take a quick moment to tell you about our Patreon page. Uh, If you're looking for a little bit of extra content from us, or access to episodes a day early, as well as other things as well, head on over to patreon.com forward slash justfilms, and that's patreon.com. Forward slash just films, and that uh, the link to it will be in the episode description. Tiers start from one pound a month, and all tiers include uh, early access to episodes and bonus extended episodes as well. So, if you'd like to support us, click the link, and any support will of course be massively uh, appreciated. Won't it, Alice?
1: It will. Yes, I am here too, guys. <laughs> by the way, yeah, just letting just
0: um, letting Josh do his thing. Oh, he's just nailing it, nailing yeah. it. um Well, now let's do your thing then, because it's your film this week,
1: mm-hmm.
0: Fantastic Four. Mm Hmm. From 2005, is it? Yes, yes, yes. So tell the lovely people at home a little bit about what Fantastic Four is about, if they don't know, and why did you pick it? Is it underrated? Is it underseen? So
1: it's a superhero film based on the Marvel comics. So a team of people go into space to test the effects of exposure of clouds of cosmic energy on biological samples. Of course, they do. Obviously, this is everyday stuff, right? Things go terribly wrong, naturally, but they somehow survive. And when they get back on Earth, they soon discover that they have all developed superpowers. So we've got Jan Griffith, Chris Evans, Jessica Alba and Michael Chiklis, who are the Fantastic Four. And then Julian McMahon, who plays Victor Von Doom, who was also impacted and has superpowers as well. But then he becomes the villain of the story as he blames the others for the failure of the mission and seeks revenge. He does say that as well. He does pretty much, right? Pretty much. Dr. Doom (laughs) so that is what the film is about why did I pick it well I was aware similar to the kind of reputation of Green Lantern I Mm. thought that this film was not well liked Mm. it was not well received critically and then I went on over to IMDb Rotten Tomatoes just to have a little look at what Mm. the scores were and I thought you know what I remember watching this when I was a kid and thinking it was good and enjoying it, and not really seeing anything wrong with it. So I thought it might be underrated, and that's why I picked it. Whether it is or isn't underrated, well, I may have more of a clear idea of that when we get to the end of this episode, (sighs) and we've had the conversation. Uh, So underrated is what I went for. It's not underseen. It did quite well financially Mm. when it came out. So, just going for underrated, so you have seen this before, Josh, and the impression I get from you is that you've seen this quite a few times yes i have,
0: i so I have seen this before, and I'm gonna make a prediction i'm gonna make a prediction before we've even talked about the critical reception before we've even got into the likes and dislikes. all right, go cool. on. this is underrated, okay, that's my prediction. Okay. That's what okay. we're going to settle on. That this is under. Well, I hope that's, so. because yeah, that
1: that's... is what the podcast is all about. And it is if it's not it that is, it then is. I've messed up again.
0: <laughs> no, so you know I have seen it before. I saw this at the cinema. Um, oh. I have seen it since. I am. Um, I am a fan of the comic book characters. And they're not one of my mm-hmm. favourites, but I know them and and stuff like that. So and I do. I have to say, I have quite a bit of affection for this oh. film. Um, was this,
1: so was this not on your list then?
0: I think so. I think it was. I've just never quite got to it. Um because okay. I think both this and the sequel, Rise of the Silver Surfer, um are underrated. Now they're both ah. flawed
1: mm-hmm. and they're
0: very much um riding on the coattails. It's around that time of when X-Men came out, and then after that yeah. Spider-Man came out and was a huge hit. And so they went, Well, let's make all the ones we've got the licenses for, guys. Yeah, um and some of them you know, we uh, well-documented are not good. Some of them are better than others and all that sort of stuff. And I, and I I have a lot of affection for the films of that time because you've got to bear in mind, kids at home, this is before the MCU. Mm-hmm. This is even before or around the same time as like Nolan's Batman. So this was before they realized that there was money to be made in joined up thinking and shared universes. And now there's millions of them in there. So mm-hmm. um, this is before then. So we, were, we weren't as spoiled as we are now when this came mm-hmm. out. And so it was quite, you know, there's an element to where I remember thinking it's just nice to see the characters.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: Um, and stuff like that. So I have a lot of affection for this film. So I have seen it before. Uh, and I am predicting that it will be underrated. So let's come back to All you then. Right. So you think it's underrated. So having right. watched it again, then what did you like about it? So I did quite
1: like the aesthetic of the whole thing. So it's very sci-fi. It's kind of like a little bit Star Trek meets Iron Man in places. And I thought that some of it just looked really great. I feel like some of the CGI for the time Mm. was quite good. Mm. Some of it was quite good. Don't get me wrong. It has dated now. And especially some of the stuff around Mr. Fantastic's stretching ability. That looked Mm. a bit dodgy. But I do think I was trying to put take myself back to 2005 and be like, now, nah, actually, a lot of this is actually doing quite a lot, considering that it just was nowhere near as advanced as so. it is today. I think so. So, okay, you know, props for that, for sure. I think the thing or thing. So is he thing or is he the thing? The thing. He's the he thing. is the I thing. I think
0: he's the thing, yeah. yeah. So the thing. The is very important.
1: The thing, yes. Yeah. So he looks Fantastic, Mm. I thought. And from what I can find, it does sound like the whole costume was prosthetics and that Michael Chiklis had to sit and then get placed, get these prosthetic bits of rock placed onto him on what sounded like just agonizing hours and hours in makeup. And I'm so pleased that they went to the trouble of actually doing that instead of trying to CGI him and his look. And I think that would have been such a huge mistake because the way that it is at the moment, I do think it's really effective. It's got like a great texture to it and it's so instrumental in bringing that character to life. So I really appreciated the level of effort that had gone into that. I think there are some good moments of comedy in this as well, and it does keep it nice and light. These were mostly from Chris Evans's character, so Johnny Storm or the Human Torch. But there was one moment... That actually made me laugh out loud. That I really enjoyed. So it's when Victor, so Victor Von Doom is like he's about to propose to Susan Storm, or he looks like he's about to propose to her. They've got a bit of a sort of interesting dynamic and relationship going on. So that's Jessica Alba's character and he says something like i've been waiting so long to say these four little words and then miss fantastic runs in and he says the clouds are accelerating and i was like <laughs> that's funny really obvious joke really simple humor but it just really got me so i enjoyed that because it's like that fun awkwardness and interrupting yeah. of what's meant to be you know a romantic and, and you know deep moment someone in space to someone together in space. exactly like what like how much more romantic could you get so that was quite- the space and in space, exactly. Is space romantic, guys? Of course it is. It's quiet. It's dark. Oh. It's, but there's like <laughs> sorry, stars well, sorry, and sorry.
0: Stuff. Your your cat your your tick list for romantic is quiet and dark.
1: <laughs> Made Main- <laughs> <laughs> you
0: like that? caves. Ah, oh, <laughs> so romantic.
1: Do you not think space is romantic?
0: I d- like the moon and is stuff. Is space romantic? The moon. I romantic, don't know. Right? It's not. <laughs>
1: I don't know. Is I it, I mean, space if you took romantic. someone
0: up there, there's a chance you spent a lot of money.
1: Is there's that, there's yeah, that. So like that? Yeah, we like
0: that. Anyway, so you're getting all how you're getting all romantic over space because it's dark and cold and.
1: <laughs> yeah, that sounds perfect to me, man. I love it. <laughs> Absolutely love it. Uh, touching on so, touching on performance and cast now. So obviously, mm. I've mentioned before that I am a big fan of Chris Evans. Anyway, and I do think he's doing his best in this, considering that the script isn't the best or the strongest, which we will discuss a little bit more later. But he is fun. He's being cool. He's sexy. And he's just really enjoyable to watch. And I really like Julian McMahon's character, uh, Victor Von Doom. So he did a great job with like his facial expressions and his eyes. He looked utterly menacing throughout the whole film. And then I really liked it when he became Dr. Doom. And then he put on that creepy metal mask thing. Really cool, really effective. Love the aesthetic of that as well. And then so his helper fella, his like assistant guy who's called Leonard Mm. is an actor called Hamish Linklater, right? Yeah. Who I absolutely love and I've not seen him in much. But for me, he is one of the most underrated actors out there. So he's in Legion, which is also a Marvel thing. And then obviously Chris Evans then becomes Captain America, which is also a Marvel thing. So it's like this interesting kind of little incestuous pool of people just moving around doing all the Marvel stuff.
0: Because I I noticed Haymes Linklater was in this as well, and the only thing I'd seen him in was that he did a series on Netflix, and I can't remember what it was called. But he played was the it priest. called Mid,
1: was it called Midnight Mass? That's <gasps> it. Because that, that was amazing. Yeah, I loved it. it. He I, was I, the best I, thing yeah. about that show. I
0: I didn't watch it. It was one of those things my other half oh. was watching, and I saw oh, right. bits of it whilst I was <laughs> just sitting on my laptop or, or working yeah. up or whatever. But it's funny because I remember when Chris Evans was cast as Captain America, there was a bit of a thing where I was like, well, he's the human torch. You can't you can't be both. Mm. Can't be both. Um, it's funny if you look how far how far we've come now. You know these films aren't aren't part of the MCU or, or anything like mm-hmm. that. But it's like that idea of well, he can't play one character; he's, he's played another. I know. And there's yeah. Like, if, there's if,
1: what, what's he going to do? Act? Yeah. Between, what's he going to do between be an actor? him and
0: Ryan Reynolds, <laughs> Chris Evans and Ryan Reynolds? have played about ten comic book characters between them. Sure,
1: go for it, man. Because Chris if Evans they... is in
0: this, the Losers, Captain America, <gasps> he's it's in uh, he's in one called. No, but it's a comic book. No, that's what I mean. They play comic book right, characters. Got, got, yeah. he's, played, he's in this, The Losers, um, obviously he's Captain America. There's one called Push. I think there's another, oh, he's in Scott Pilgrim,
1: uh, which yeah. is a comic book.
0: Um, then Ryan Reynolds is obviously Deadpool. He's mm-hmm. been in, he's been in Green Lantern. He's been in mm-hmm. R.I.P.D. All, the, all these comic book things. It's like between them, they've got like a, monopoly on comic book characters. But I do remember it being like, well, it can't be, it can't be Chris Evans. He's already been one. Like, you only get one. <laughs> you like, only get
1: one. And then, it, get and one then a few shot. years
0: later, you got Ben Affleck playing Batman when he's already been dead, and all that sort of stuff. But anyway, sorry, as you were saying.
1: So those those were the key things for mm. me, really. So a lot to do with the aesthetic and a lot to do with some of the performances and some of the comedic moments as well. Mm. So what about you, Josh? Obviously, this is going to be your first time watching this with <laughs> that critical eye, what were some of the things that really it's, stood out it, for you? It's probably
0: my first time watching it for a good number of years. To be honest, yeah. with you. it's probably must be over five years since I've watched it. Um, look, so overall, this there is yet to be an adaptation of the Fantastic Four, which has you know been as good as it could be in terms of the source material. A lot of people say the best adaptation of Fantastic Four is The Incredibles, mm-hmm.
1: yeah, because it's so <laughs> yeah.
0: because it's so similar. But anyway, for me. This isn't and it's not a bad attempt at a Fantastic Four adaptation. They're not my favourite comic book characters, like I've already said, but I really don't mind this, and I think it's a lot of that. Like you've already said, we'll touch on the script, but a lot of that is down to what you said there, the casting. I think the casting's spot on. I think all of them, particularly the four of them, the Fantastic Four. So Ewan Griffith, um, Jessica Alba. Michael Chiklis and Chris Evans. Particularly, I think they're all good in it, but I do want to particularly say I think that they absolutely nailed the thing. Like you've already touched on oh, that. Yeah, I think yeah. if they turn around now and we're bringing him back, I'd be mm-hmm. like, yeah, fair enough. Absolutely. Yeah, like like absolutely. fair play to him for sitting through that. I know they've mm-hmm. paid loads of money and all that sort of stuff. And would I be, would I take 10 million quid to spend five hours a day in prosthetics? Yes, of course I would or whatever. Mm-hmm. But still doesn't mean he didn't do it. I think he does a good job. Because yes, there's prosthetics there, but you know he gets the voice right, he gets the posture right, he gets the overall aesthetic of what Ben Grimm feels like, um, and I think he's you know it's going to be a hard job to follow. There is obviously the 2015 Fantastic Four, which was pretty pretty abysmal if you've seen it, but a lot of <laughs> abysmal. it. Abysmal. Whilst Ooh. none of them have particularly nailed that... whilst none of it's funny with the Fantastic Four because whilst none of them have nailed it absolutely, I don't think there's much issues with the casting of. Mr. Fantastic, Invisible Woman, The Thing, and Johnny Storm. Right, I mm-hmm. think they're all pretty, pretty good in all adaptations so far. Um, so I, I particularly like what they do with The Thing. I think they really nail Sue and Johnny being like that sibling rivalry. I think that's something that comes into it quite well. I think they do give they give Sue quite a lot to do. My my memory of this was that Sue isn't doesn't get loads to do. She's just there to be sort of. I guess not a damsel in distress because she herself has powers. But I remember, and there is an issue with Sue's character, which we'll come back to. But I remember my overall takeaway was they put Jessica Alba in it. They put her in not the best blonde wig and contacts and had an excuse to get her naked a few times. Mm. Mm. Which we'll come back to because that definitely does happen and it's definitely an issue. But actually, she does feel like the emotional heart of of the four of them. Because she's always the one trying to push them forward and trying to keep it all together, like you said, the effects haven't aged badly. Um, there is some stuff where you like; it looks like a bit of a shit video game. But mm-hmm. overall, I think you know the Human Torch looks good. The, the effects of of Mr. Fantastic stretching, some of it looks a bit bad. But 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 overall, you know, it looks it looks pretty good. So I enjoyed that, and then that leads into I quite like its overall comic bookiness. There's no better way to put it. I suppose aesthetic, like you said, but. You know, I think this is a pretty bold take on the source material because this is around the time when it you gotta remember again for those those at home who who did you know, listen, guys, it, we had a bad <laughs> comic book fans of the they were well, you know, I, I'm lucky because I've now got the NCU. And you think of like people who like comic books way back in the day, when all they had was like Superman or, you know, in the seventies and Batman in the eighties and nineties and stuff like that. But this is around the time when a lot of comic book stuff was well, let's just put them in motorcycle stuff. Mm-hmm. Everything's mo- Daredevil, motorcycle stuff. Um, you know, X Men, motorcycle stuff. There was a lot of well, we can't use the costumes apart from Spider Man. There's a lot of well, we can't use the comic book costumes because they look stupid. But they, in the, in this, they go for it. They absolutely, you know, they go for the they go for the the thing in makeup. They don't use any CGI like you say. They go for the blue costumes and they go for all the stuff like that. So I I thought it was really good. The Baxter Building looks really good overall. As a comic book film, I think that this looks looks pretty good. Like in terms of, like it's it's. I suppose it's quite colourful, isn't it? Like Mm -hmm. compared to X Men or even Spider Man in some instances, that that still has that realistic grey wash to it. Whereas in this, it is quite colourful. Do you know what I mean?
1: Oh yeah, hundred percent. And I love the costumes. I love their their costumes with the with the number four on it. I think they look great. And yeah, and like you say about the 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 Baxter. Was it back? Is it the Baxter? What is it?
0: The The Baxter building. building.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That, for me, that was like, that reminded me a lot of like Iron Man's sort of thing, his, his, you know, his, whatever it is, his workshop. (laughs) whatever it is his headquarters his headquarters that's it his workshop what's he doing making birdhouses
0: (laughs) his workshop Uh, i know yeah his shed you know all the sort of
1: (laughs) like all the sort of gadgets and stuff around that and i think for for me that that felt quite comic booky and and that's obviously like a a thing because that's appeared or it reminded me of iron man so it's the aesthetic sort of drew you in And made you think of that, I think. And it made you think of those, like, comic book panels. And it just looked like a comic book film.
0: It does. And I think I remember, sorry, I remember, like you say, this wasn't that well received when it came out. But I do, there are people who are like comic books who I do think like this film. I think it's quite, Mm. I don't know if it's a favourite with the fans, but I think there are people who think that it's a fairly decent attempt to the point where, and I'm going to, there's a spoiler now for Doctor Strange. The Multiverse of Madness, which did come out last year. Have you seen mm. it? If I don't want to spoil uh, it, yes. before, yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. So there I is a spoiler had. for that. If you've not seen it, it has been out for like two years or something now, but skip ahead for a minute. But in that film, John Kosinski turns up as Mr. Fantastic, right? Mm. And obviously, that's not referencing any other Marvel stuff because he's not done it before and there's not not even talks of if he's going to do it again a lot of people have said that obviously there's going to be a Marvel MCU Fantastic Four so a lot of people have been fan casting it with the likes of John Krasinski playing him Mm. and Emily Blunt playing Sue Storm because they're married in real life and stuff like that so a lot of his casting I don't know if they might turn around now and say oh no he is Mr. Fantastic. But I believe a lot of that was down to just sort of fan service and just saying, oh, you want to see John Kaczynski. But I've also heard other people say, well, putting him in Doctor Strange didn't make any sense because he's not done it before. You could have just put Ewan Grufford in it.
1: You could. I mean, he's still knocking around, right? He's still knocking around. It's
0: not like he's not. It's not like he's not famous anymore. I mean, he's not mm-hmm. as big a name as, as as John Krasinski. But if you'd have done that, I think plenty of fans would have gone absolutely mental. For would that. have lost uh, like, them. Like, like, and I went mad for yeah. it in the cinema. I was like, <gasps> <Mr>. have <laughs> had when it came on? But if it had been you and Griffin, like you could have gone, "Oh, it's the one from when we were when we yeah, were kids." You lost know what I mean? Shit, it's it? not. Yeah. Like, I'm, obviously, I'm sure some people would have gone, "Who's that?" But it's not. The costumes, what's recognisable. Mm-hmm. You know, so the, you could have easily have had... Obviously, probably, probably, you probably might not be able to have Chris Evans in it because people would be like, that's Captain America. But you for could sure. definitely yeah. have Mr. Fantastic or the other two um mm-hmm. in there. So, yeah, I think it's really well cast. And as well, I think, you know, it's a well-paced blockbuster. It's not too heavy. It's fairly light. It's fairly... It is a bit formulaic, but as we've said before, formulas are formulas for a reason. So it is like that. It's a fairly decent well-paced, bold, colourful comic book film. Okay then, so we'll move on to anything that we dislike about Fantastic Four or anything that we change about Fantastic Four. Now, obviously, you picked this, Alice. I've waffled on and on there in the likes. Um, So is there anything you didn't like about it? How did you feel? You've obviously picked it because it's underrated, but you've sort of hinted there that you know there's issues from re-watching it. So what didn't you like about it?
1: So there were quite a few things, unfortunately, and I did find myself um, – I, I, I didn't enjoy it as much as I thought I was going to, and I did find a lot more issues than I thought I was going to as well. And I went into this like wanting to like it, right, yeah. and wanting to have a good time. So, so the script, the dialogue, the characters, the characters' actions and motivations, all of it is just very basic. It's very simple and very easy to understand. And at times it kind of felt like it had been written for kids – so that Mm. there wasn't a great deal going on for the adults. It doesn't feel like terribly advanced or sophisticated in its storytelling, and I just never really became excited about anything in it. So I think Susan Storm's character, I think, is written really badly. But you... You made a a few good points there in your likes talking about kind of how she is the driving force and, you know, she's trying to get them all to do things and like be motivated and all that. So I totally get that. But I didn't see that when I was watching it. So for me, she spends a lot of time on screen talking about either Reed or Victor. And a lot of the time (laughs) it just kind of feels like she is there to be looked at. So I haven't seen much of Jessica Alba in other things, so I'm not too sure of how good an actor she is, but her performance in this I did think was quite bad. But I can't figure out, obviously, if that's down to her or just down to the way that the character has been written and the script in general. But then beyond her as well, a lot of the conversations in this are then about her and whether she should be with Reed or be with Victor, how Reed would treat her better and all this, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I
0: just didn't care.
1: I doesn't just didn't care. It does
0: not pass the back <laughs> test. I don't think this film does it. Anyway, what else? What else did you like? Because I've got issues with the script as well, but what else, what else?
1: So this is this is really, this is really picking now. Um, so there's a moment shortly after they had the accident in space, right? So we're back on Earth, we're in this medical facility. I think it's like Dr. Doom's own sort of like private medical facility thing. And Susan is still unconscious or she's asleep or something. And there's loads of flowers in her room, right, in mm. her hospital room. And then Reed comes in and sees some orchids and says she's allergic to orchids, to the nurse. And I was just like, surely the medical staff would know that. Surely <laughs> they would know that. They've got to know all your allergies, right? Well, yeah. So surely it's on some file somewhere So. Like I just didn't believe that at all, and for me, it just kind of felt like <laughs> That's this such real shoehorn. I've
0: it was, never noticed that
1: before. Well, because it felt like it was just sort of really shoehorned in there to kind of show, like, oh, Reed, <laughs> Reed knows. knows yeah. Oh, he knows so much about her. You know, oh, isn't that sweet that he's concerned about her orchid allergy or whatever? And I was just like, she might, she might have fucking died because of those orchids. <laughs> and then,
0: There's like a deleted scene where they're like, did she survive the space accident? Yeah, she survived the space accident, but um, someone brought some orchids in, and she went into anaphylactic shock.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so I did. That was just that just kind of irritated me a little bit. That's a really moving, good point. Moving on. Uh, so Deb, who is Ben's wife, right? Oh, so God, the that's way what to say. the way her character is handled is just so strange. I thought so. First of all, she leaves her house and comes out onto the streets of Brooklyn. At night time in her night clothes Mm. because Ben has phoned her from outside, right? So that was really weird. And then she breaks up with him pretty quickly after he becomes the thing. But it seems like they've been together for a while. And from the way Ben speaks about her and what he says about her, they seem to be very much in love. And I don't think we saw any conversation or communication between the two of them where she asked, you know, oh my God, what happened? Is it permanent? What does this mean for you? Et cetera. Like she just literally dumps him after he'd been talking her up for such a good portion of the film. So I would have liked a bit more around that. Like if you're going to show us the struggles that happen in a relationship when one person becomes a superhero, show me that. Don't just have a look at him one time and just be like, nah, fuck this. Not having yeah, it. Like, I'm not going out as a big rock guy. Yeah, like you don't, you don't know what that means. You don't know what that means for him. You don't know if it is reversible. Turns out it was reversible because he stops being the thing for a little bit towards the end of the film but then becomes the thing again. And I was just a bit like, what is this doing? What is the purpose yeah. of this? I just did not get it.
0: So that was something I'd never really noticed before. Yeah. Because it's not really when you when I've watched it before, obviously I've obviously never really watched it with that critical eye. But it's something I noticed, which is Like you've said, her her character is handled really badly. She barely has any lines. She Mm -hmm. barely has any interaction with him, and all you see is essentially her leaving him because he's not, you know, he doesn't look like him anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, And then taking her engagement ring off and putting it on the the bridge. And so I've got this down here as something I'd change. Mm. So I know sometimes we do dislikes or something I'd change, but this is what I'd change. So for me, you know, this, this film is well paced. It wouldn't wouldn't be bad if it gained 15 minutes somewhere, a bit of character exposition. And I think I really like that it gets to the accident really quickly. It's within the first 10, 15 minutes that Mm -hmm. they have the accident or something like that. But I think for that, for a bit more of emotional depth, depth, sorry for Ben, I think, yeah, I think maybe show them together before he goes up. Maybe, you know, that sort of thing. But for me, if I was going to change something, there has to be a reason, doesn't there, about why would she just leave him? Mm -hmm. because like you say, will people have accidents and then get better, and his best friend seems to be the best scientist in the world. Mm -hmm. So, like, if you're going to stay with anyone who changed physically, it might be him. But for me, maybe something like, A, their relationship was already suffering, Mm -hmm. and she said something to him like, you know, you're a bit too old to be going up into space and gallivanting around. Not gallivanting Mm -hmm. around. She's not a nana, but like, (laughs) (laughs) you're a bit too uh, old. You know... I don't want you to go up into space because we're settling down and that's too mm-hmm. risky. Let the younger man or yet someone yeah. else do it. Yeah,
1: I can't take this emotionally anymore. Yeah. I need you to decide between your space escapades yeah. or and being with me and starting a family or Yeah,
0: whatever. and that was the other thing is maybe they're trying for kids Yeah, or something like that. So he comes back. I told you not to go up. Look what's happened to you, you dickhead. Now you're a big rock man. I've yeah. left you. But that yeah. would make far more sense than, oh, my partner's an orange rock man.
1: Yeah, and just there's just nothing. There's, there's no, just no depth to it, we, is there? we, They don't have a conversation. No. Like even just like two minutes of them just sat down and her expressing, you know, oh, I don't know if we can be together anymore because of, like, well, just let me list all the issues that would occur from you being a giant rock man. It's like, yeah, that's fair <laughs> enough and I get it. But it's literally, there's none of that. It's literally like she sees him, screams, runs away and then throws her engagement ring at him on the bridge and it was just so... It's it. It's dressed up like it's meant to be this really poignant, really emotional moment. And I was like, well, I don't know this woman. It's got no and from heft what I've to seen it, of it? her, not at all. And from what I've seen of her so far, she's not very likable. So yeah. why would I give a shit that any of this is happening? And I just wanted more. Give me more around it. Judge it up a little you need, bit. You, a bit more you need flavor. to
0: have a little bit of meat on the bone for that emotional. That you know, the, it has no emotional impact. No. And I think so I don't know in in the hands of a better writer or whatever, that or, or or another draft of the script, whatever it might be, there has to be more emotional. Because the whole thing with the thing is, you know, he's the one who suffers. You know, his power comes with uh, a sacrifice, whereas mm-hmm. all the others just look like they looked anyway. Mm-hmm. So would you would you stay with Mister Oliver? who turned into a big rock man.
1: I mean, I'd give it a go. I'd at least talk to him. Yeah. About you'd have it to first. buy
0: you'd have to like make some changes to the house and stuff. From,
1: well, yeah, of course. But I wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't just look at him and go, <laughs> nah, it's done. Like yeah. that could be really useful to have <laughs> someone like that around. Like yeah. when it comes to like building work, you yeah. know, just feeling just lifting protected, stuff lifting stuff. Yeah. Like if your car breaks down, I'll just carry it to the garage, you know really useful in so many ways. So, no, I would. it wouldn't just be a, oh, see you later, bye. It would be a, well, let's have a conversation, see what the issues are, can we make it work, give it a go, and there you go. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) So that's what I wanted. That's what I wanted to see. Uh, Just finally, I don't think Doctor Doom's motivations were clear enough or severe enough. Like, the stakes just don't feel high enough at all. And I would have liked a bit more character building and plot depth around him and then also why are they having a party on the boat at the end what's that about
0: it's what a, this is like when we did for? rain of fire in it? and they're the having, party? A party. having a party got- why are you having a party
1: who organized the party i don't get it they're all just on a boat it, at was, the end. it was such and a and thing like, at the time what? wasn't it
0: like <laughs> like like has have they got a pa who was like well better organize a party because yeah. you saved the day <laughs> like they've like got that, loads of it? like balloon people on retainers hi yeah i need i need the balloons to save four fantastic four yeah yeah, yeah. yeah they've done it again yeah they've saved the city again yeah so
1: I, w- uh, I was just i was like i I just it started and i was like what like why are we here like what's the mode <laughs> what's the purpose what's the the, the reason for this so that's it. I'll stop now. Uh, what about you, Josh? Anything else that you would change? I know you've obviously we've, we've covered quite a lot there, and seem to have some similar thoughts about things. Yeah, but anything else that you dislike? A, a
0: lot of similar stuff. So the script is, you know, some of the some of the dialogue and the character development is where it really falls down. It feels quite hacky and played out. You know, things like Victor is up against his own board. How many times have we seen the villains against the board, and the board's like, yeah. "If you don't do this, you're out."
1: Yeah. You
0: know, it's just the Green Goblin. It's just, you know, Batman Returns. How many have we seen? It's the bad guy against the board, and then he kills one of them because he's got his powers now or whatever. It's just, it's played out. Some of the script, like I say, went, you know, early on when they're having their accident and there's some dialogue, it's like, it's like he put it into a computer or something when he goes to shut the blast shields to, and he locks Ben out. And she says, you can't leave him out there. Watch me. You can't help him. I can try. And it's just mm. like, it's like, They've not even written it. they've just gone say generic superhero dialogue, so mm-hmm. the main issue for me in this film is doom, okay, mm-hmm. so dr doom, if and again, I've got to sort of separate myself from the film and my fandom of the source material because Doom is arguably one of the greatest comic book villains, oh like he is he is up there with Thanos, the Joker. Right. You know, the big ones, okay? And they've never got him right, again, because mm-hmm. they've never got the Fantastic Four right. And you can guarantee whoever they cast in the MCU, and there's all sorts of rumors about who it's going to be, is going to have a hell of a job on their hands mm-hmm. because he's going to have to live up to so, so much, right? And it's I don't think it's an issue with Julian McMahon. I think he is working with what he's given, so I'm not having a go at his performance or anything like that. But he's just too arch, He's mm. just too much of like he's almost like a parody of a villain. You know, at the beginning mm. when he's introduced, he's just sitting in the dark, <laughs> and he just does a lot of talking like a villain. Yeah, and you're yeah, like, yeah. why? You don't need to do that. So again, I'm not suggesting it's clearly the way it's been written and the way it's been directed because he's just playing the whole thing like a stereotypical villain. Mm-hmm. This is almost it's almost parody levels of of, of villainy. So what's happening to him, the whole thing, all that doesn't really happen to him in the comics, I don't think. But the whole thing of, like, he seems to be turning into, like, a metal statue just doesn't really make any sense. Yeah. And he never really explore what his powers are. All you know is that he he seems to be this hotshot, you know, uh, men want to be him, women want to be him, millionaire, playboy-type character um, who is very precious about his looks. So he gets a little bit of a scar. I know he's all pissed off. But there's yeah. no... He, like you said, he has no motivation. Mm. There's there's sort of a a hint that he's a bit pissed off at Reed because if Sue, he's pissed off at the board. He's just pissed off in general. Mm -hmm. What are his motivations? You know, this is before we we had, this is before it seemed to be necessary to have villains that are well-rounded with a, you know, the whole point of a good villain is you've sort of got to see their plan and agree with it a little bit. Mm-hmm, I think mm-hmm. for me, you know, you you look at some of the stuff the Joker says in The Dark Knight and you think that like, what he's saying disturbingly makes sense in a yeah. pathological, realistic way. Or yeah. what Thanos says about, about halving the universe's population actually makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like in a in a sociological, psychological, sorry, psychopathic way, you can see why someone would would form those ideas. Whereas in this, it's just bad. But why is he bad? What, what, like, what are his motivations? So, I think that's a bit of, bit of a waste, um, and things like that. So, so yeah, that's the main issue. There's a couple of plot holes as well. Like, for example, when they are taken into the facility after they've had their accident, does they're, at, they're in like the Alps, right? Are they in like uh, the mountains? Yeah, they must
1: be, because they go they go skiing. They could be in the Rocky Mountains, maybe in America. Or like
0: Aspen or somewhere. Yeah. How does Ben get to New York? Uh no one notices him. Like no one's like, oh my god, this big orange rock man has somehow trapped.
1: Well? Yeah, did did, he,
0: does he get, get on a plane? IT? Like, how yeah. like,
1: has he got, How's he
0: got there? How's he yeah. got there, Alice?
1: That is a terrific question. Yeah, a terrific question. But you yeah, because they go skiing, don't they? The whole thing, yeah, like yeah, the and then,
0: and then skiing he, that, yeah, so. they go sexy skiing, and then they go sexy sex skiing, skiing, and and all and yeah. all that. Uh, but yeah, so so. But the main issue it is the script, it, and it is mainly that development of doom. I'm trying to separate it from. It's a poor adaptation of the character. To it is to so taking that aside, the fact that he's you know taking the background aside of the character. If this was just the villain, it's still shit because mm-hmm. he's still just bad with no motivation
1: mm-hmm. well I'm I am pleased that you've said that as well because i I did think for a moment that I'd maybe miss something no that I was like oh I, shit I, did I miss this the scene where we got a bit of his like proper origin why or, like why a bit do, of his
0: why is he bad what is his yeah. motiva- is, you know yes okay it's fine that his motivation is more power but but why what's his goal because his mm-hmm. goal seems to be just nothing. So we will get on to talking about the critical reception in a moment. But first, Alice, I believe you're going to take us on a journey. Yes,
1: I am indeed, Josh. Strap yourself in and you two listeners as we go down the rabbit hole for this segment that I'm going to call Alice Down the Rabbit Hole. So... <gasps> For this edition of Alice Down the Rabbit Hole, we're going to take a look at the life and times of an actor whose character didn't even get a proper name in the Fantastic Four. That's right, it's the woman who plays the character credited as sexy nurse, Maria Menounos. Maria was born in Boston in the late 70s to Greek parents. Her career in the public eye started in 1995 with beauty pageants where she had moderate success. She then moved to journalism when she started working for Channel One News, eventually making her way to Entertainment Tonight. It is believed that she landed the role at Channel One News after producing an independent fairy tale film in the a land of Merry Misfits, a 35mm feature she worked on with director Kevin Undergaro, then head writer for MTV's Singled Out. But the negative of the film was stolen before it was completed. But her work on the film proved to enough people what she was made of. Though her career moved on, she never forgot the film and in 2005 personally funded its recovery and restoration and it premiered at the 2007 Tribeca Film Festival. She has spent years moving between beauty pageants, film, television, presenting, radio, WWE and doing charity work, achieving so much more across her career than simply being a sexy nurse and that was Alice down the rabbit hole
0: <sighs> okay then so moving on to, from sexy nurse to sexy critical reception or not <laughs> very um, sexy <laughs> <laughs> disappointingly flaccid critical reception I am imagining Probably
1: more, yeah, um, more accurate, yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> it, it's a uh, let's just stop in and have a takeaway critical reception let's not it's... let's
1: that sort of vibe, Let's yeah. leave
0: it critical reception. <laughs> um, anyway, let's, um, um, so I haven't seen the critical reception. Now I know, I know this didn't do well. Mm-hmm. But the question is, how bad, right? Indeed, yes. So I think, I think the audience are going to be fairly kind to this, and not talking sky high. But I think we're probably talking sixes. Okay. And I think we're we're gonna. I think we're going to be talking the fours and the fives, to the critics. So I'm going to average that out as a as a five out of ten. Okay. For me, I think, it, look, it's it's not a masterpiece. I have a lot of affection for it, for it but even taking that affection aside, it, you know, for me, it's a solid six and a half. Okay. It's So, you know, well. it's fine. What would you say it is before we do this? Uh,
1: maybe, maybe like a five and a half. Oh, really? I'm you probably, go that low? Yeah, I'm probably dropping down a bit lower and even... That might be like a tiny bit generous. Yeah. Just there was there was a lot wrong with it. And you know, mm. you know what's annoying about it as well? A lot wrong with it that could have been remedied. Yeah. Like just a few tweaks here and there with some of the script
0: and some Not of the way the characters. A character
1: yeah, that as well. That's yeah, in the like but that, yeah. we wouldn't have got the amazing <laughs> down the rabbit <laughs> hole that we just got if it weren't for that. So you know, silver
0: linings. So we've got you know, six and a half from me, five and a half from you. So lay it on me then. How are the scores and let's see how the average comes out.
1: Okay, so over on IMDb, it gets 5.7 out of 10. And then over on Rotten Tomatoes, the audience give it 45%. And then the critics, and the reason that I picked it for this podcast about underrated films, gave it 28%. Oof. Yeah, it's low, isn't it? So that averages out at
0: 43, just above 43 or 4.3 out of 10. I mean, that's underrated, right? That's quite
1: low. That is quite low. Is it that bad? I don't it's think it's quite. Bad. I don't think it is quite that bad. It's not as good as I'd hoped or was expecting. If you, but there is stuff in there. There's good yeah. stuff in there.
0: If you pay to see this in the cinema, would you be annoyed that you'd paid for it?
1: I don't think so, because I, because I, it's it is a lot of fun. Yeah, that's like, what for I mean. All it's flaws. It's, it's not a offensively lot of fun. shit, is it? No, and I reckon visually, because I quite liked a lot of the sci fi aesthetic yeah, and so stuff it, anyway, right. in the space stuff, because space is so romantic. love loved it. It's so dark and
0: cold and romantic. It's dark yeah. and cold,
1: and that's what I'm into. Yeah, so I, I think <laughs> seeing that on the big screen would actually be really entertaining and yeah, probably would have quite was. a lot of value. <laughs> yeah. So. What do we reckon? Or oh, I'll just tell you what the critics' consensus was yeah. as well. So, marred by goofy attempts at wit, subpar acting, and bland storytelling, Fantastic Four is a mediocre attempt to bring Marvel's oldest hero team to the big screen. And they're not totally wrong with that, I
0: do But is that, those comments for me don't reflect, what was it, 28 was that? 28%. So
1: what yeah.
0: they're saying doesn't reflect that. You know, yet, what they're saying is, is right. Like, it, it, you know, bit of weight of potential... Mm. Like we've said, I think they probably could have made a better deal out of a good cast and the script is a bit chonky. But it's not 28% bad and it's not 43% mm-hmm. bad, which is what we're looking at there. So for me, I'm saying underrated. All right, go on. I
1: I will jump in with you on this one, Josh. I reckon Fantastic Four, the 2005 version, Underrated. Well, there we go then. Fantastic Four turns out it is underrated. There you go, Josh. I'm so pleased that you with that. you had just some such great points about that, and you clearly got a lot of love for the source material. So I think that was a really good choice by me, and I'm going to pat yeah. myself on the back for
0: you. Deserve for a romantic night you. in a cold, in dark place. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, there we go, listeners. Let us know what you think about Fantastic Four. But in the meantime, Josh, do tell us. What are we going to be watching for next week? Well,
0: <laughs> I had a had a film picked. Okay, good. Uh, and then good. Yeah. this got me thinking, and we've okay. never done this before, right? Uh-huh. This is going to be a first. But I am going to pick uh-huh. off the back oh. of this. Yeah, I'm going to pick Fantastic Four: Rise of the Silver Surfer. So, so, so we get. Yeah. So I'm gonna pick the (laughs) second one, and we'll do them back to back. Fantastic (gasps) four, then Fantastic four. So listen, if they're not a fan of these films, our fucking listeners are gonna go off a cliff. There you go. Yeah. There you go. It just made me go. I'm gonna pick the second one.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) It's like I think that's. I think that's a terrific idea, and it's gonna be uh, so interesting. To be able to watch them both like so close together, analyse them so close together, and really kind of see the evolution like yeah. of these characters, of this film. Oh, I think that's a brilliant idea. Yeah. I love that. I love okay. it. Okay, okay,
0: amazing. So in that case, join, in, join us next week, we're going to be talking about, and a first, we're going to be doing one to two, first film to sequel. We're going to be doing... Fantastic Four, Rise of the Silver Surfer from 2007. So give it a watch. If you've not seen it, give it a watch and you can do a follow along and all that sort of stuff. So that's next week. In the meantime, if you'd like to get in touch with us, it's filmsandthatpod at gmail.com on all the social medias, if you just search for Just Films and That, give us a follow. We're always putting content out there as well as links to the episodes and all that stuff. We are also on the television, which is where Alice first saw the Fantastic Four, aren't we, Alice?
1: Oh yes indeed we are, we are on the local TV network every Friday from 6pm so if you live in Birmingham, Bristol, Leeds, Liverpool or the northeast of England you can find us on Channel 7 on Freeview or if you live in North Wales or South Wales you can find us on Channel 8 on Freeview. I'm also uploading all the episodes onto Dailymotion so if you head on over there and type in just films and that you'll be able to see exactly what we're up to but otherwise that's every Friday from 6pm on your local TV network. (laughs)
0: Yes, lots of ways to see us, hear us, follow us and all that. Uh, and all that to be said is we'll see you next week. Thank you very much for listening. It's goodbye from me. Cheerio!
1: Bye!